Hey guys. Hey. Happy hey. holidays. Happy, Happy holidays. holidays. You know what? I'm really excited this year because we're going to do a topic we've never really done before. That's true. Right? We, we, we've done Christmas. Yep. Done Christmas. Done done Yule. Done Yule. Done Hanukkah. Actually, we did Thanksgiving a couple years ago too. That's even more mm -hmm. awesome. So really all that's left is just talking about Kwanzaa. Yeah. That's awesome. Right. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, so what sort of funny... Cold open, could we do for Kwanzaa? You you mean three white people? The three white people in the room here. Yeah. Mm. About that. Do you just want to get into the episode? Yeah, let's do that. Let's okay, do great. that. I love that. Welcome to Nerds on History. I am Eric Brickmont. I'm Brian Moriarty. And I am still Sarah Ashley. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, we are. No identity crisis here. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Well, well, at least today. Right. Today. Not None that will be impactful to the episode. No. <laughs> I did wake up thinking I was a pretty little princess this morning, but thankfully that subsided. Yeah, I'm still a chicken. Mm. There's always tomorrow, Brian. <laughs> There's always tomorrow. There's always hope. <laughs> I'm a pretty little princess. <laughs> we could have a fundraiser, you know. To make me a pretty little princess? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, uh, <laughs> you want to be Dr. Mrs. the Monarch? <laughs> I just wrapped Guys and Dolls, and that was the voice I used for Angie the Ox. Because oh. he always had a cigar in his hand. So I figure, well, if he had been smoking for a long time, he couldn't have had a regular sounding voice. He probably sounded more like this. Like my my, my grandfather was a big cigar smoker, so I based it off of his voice mm. a little bit. There you go. Yeah. Was he also in the mob? Uh, Your no. Your grandfather, that is. No, he was not. He no, was, he was not. the opposite. Of that, wasn't in the Irish mafia? Uh, mm, actually, that I cannot confirm nor deny. <laughs> um, and I mean that quite sincerely. I cannot confirm nor deny. That. So in other words, you, you don't know. No, but he was he was from Connecticut and he was from New England. So he had a very New England sounding accent, which is kind of New York, but not quite. That's the best way I can describe the dialect. Mm. So I just made it more New York when I when I did the voice. At, at any rate, we're going on a tangent here. Um, happy holidays. I really do mean that, guys. Happy holidays to you too, Brian. Yeah, yeah. I will accept your wish of happy holidays, and I will contemplate returning it by the end of this episode. <laughs> oh, I was hoping you were going to say, I see your happy holidays. <laughs> and I and raise, I raise you, you a happy new year. <laughs> <laughs> and I raise quick. you a Festivus poll. Oh. <laughs> Festivus yeah. for the rest of we us. We kind of have that Coming that next lamp. year, folks. <laughs> <laughs> that lamp in the corner that we, we used like once. That almost has a festivist type look to it. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I feel like we. I feel like yeah. Next year, all that's left will be doing a, a festivist. I don't know. I think the, I, I think the ceremonial airing of personal grievances might be a bloodbath. Mm. I don't think we would survive it. <laughs> it might be the last podcast Nerdonomy ever produces. That actually might be true. This this whole operation is is solely fueled by tension. That's um, true. Sarah and I have attention for almost a decade. Now. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Love you, Sarah. Yeah, uh huh. Secretly hate you. Um, Not a secret. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hated by everyone. I've already accepted that. Yes. Says yes. the actual peacekeeper of the group. That's true. Actually, I'm loved by everybody. <laughs> He's hated by everyone, which is why he makes peace so well. That's yeah, exactly. Right. Universally hated. Anyway, uh, 
I have no segue for that. No, I don't actually. think so either. Um, you know what is a peaceful holiday? Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa, indeed. And also a very young holiday. Yes. It is too. a very young holiday. Yeah, it's only 49 years old. This year will be its 50th anniversary, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, uh, that would make sense. 1966, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. 1966. So, so we have some parents who are who are older than, than Kwanzaa. Mm-hmm. My is. dad is definitely older than Kwanzaa. Oh, yeah. Definitely my parents, too. So. Hashtag older than Kwanzaa. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't um, negate it from being a cultural holiday. Yes, it's still young, but it doesn't make it not valid. No, and even though <laughs> the official name Kwanzaa being associated with the holiday is only 49 years old, the traditions that it is amalgamizing yeah. go back thousands of years. Yes. Uh, it goes back to actually... Coincidentally, it goes back to the first harvest festivals yeah. that were common uh, in certain countries within the within Africa. But before we jump right into that, let's talk about who actually created the Kwanzaa holiday. Yes, please. And it was created by Maulana Karenga, um, who was originally born as uh, Ronald Everett. He changed his name later on in his life um, after he was a student for quite some time doing um, Africana studies. And he actually is not he's actually a professor of Africana studies um, and he has a residency at CSU Long Beach to this day. Um, and he is kind of the creator of the um, of the Pan-African holiday. And he's a really big figure in the black power movement of the 1960s. And not to be mistaken or. Is misassociated with the Black Panther Party. No. Um, his party, he actually created, um, his party was called Us, as in Us Black People. Um, and uh, they actually kind of butt heads with the Black Panther Party, even though his community took a lot from Malcolm X um, and and really utilized that and helped fuel what yeah. they were doing. Um, but they there was a lot of um, infighting kind of yeah. among that movement. But... But he, but he really helped bring um, this whole pan-African idea to the forefront. This idea that um, through, through this use of cultural activism, yeah, yeah, the the idea that everybody in the African diaspora, or otherwise known as you know people who are of African descent, who were not necessarily born in Africa, not didn't them themselves originate from Africa, but their ancestors did, right? Um, you know, kind of the idea of creating a worldwide cultural community for people who have been displaced, um, mm. especially for those people in the United States um, who are victims of the slave trade, et cetera, et cetera. Right, who are the um, descendants of, of those people. Yes. So, you know, this whole idea that um, there could be some sort of unifying cultural holiday for people to reflect on that and meditate um, where they came from and, um, you know, kind of creating a space of their own. Um, you know, in the melting pot that is the U.S. or Canada right. or other places where um, it's very multicultural. Which is not an easy task because no. you're talking about a continent that is absolutely enormous yeah. in size. It is full of diversity. Mm-hmm. There are so many different cultural groups and languages and traditions. But among those are unifying traditions that honestly you can also look out and, and see in other cultures around the world. And that's what I think I like so much about yeah. You know, Kwanzaa is it is very multicultural because it goes back to in a way all of our roots. If you go back yeah. far enough in every culture everywhere in the world, you go back the harvest traditions of which this holiday is based on are present absolutely everywhere. Sure. As soon as there was agriculture, there were holidays to celebrate yeah. the harvesting of of food. And I think that's yeah. really great. And I think that was Karenga's intentions too because when you talk about the idea of pan-Africanism, you're talking about the idea of solidarity, right? Yeah. That it is only through showing solidarity in our in our uh, 
common ancestors and our common traditions and also within our differences too that we can in fact prosper yes right so and it really does kind of bring us all back to the same place right because you know evolution is pretty clear uh there's a lot of fact out there around this we originated in africa and yeah. we as the the human species originated in africa and, and emerged elsewhere from there so those first groups of people mm-hmm. immigrated elsewhere and populated the rest of the world right and this is more of a call not a callback this is more of a of a way of re-establishing roots with your african culture yeah, yeah. is what it is it has very little to do with what has happened as a condition of where you are living, which is the unfortunately the creation of race as a social construct. Yeah. Correct. Right. But to be perfectly clear, this is a holiday that is intended for black descendants of Africa. <laughs> yes. Not white long, 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 long descendants of Africa, but more recent descendants of Africa. Yeah. <laughs> um though there has been efforts to to be more inclusive of non-Africans in yes, Kwanzaa in recent years. To a certain extent, and we can talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, as we but, go on later, yeah. Um but you know, the name itself of Kwanzaa um, actually comes from the first fruit hol- first fruits holidays that you were talking about. The name Matunda Yakwanza means first fruits in Swahili, which was adopted as the Pan-African yeah. language. Um, th- one kind of big unifying language for people to talk to just because it is a widely spoken um, language that originated yeah. in Africa. It right. is. Well, so it's a it's kind of a mashup, right? Because the, the Swahili language, even though it's been spoken for thousands of years in Africa, it didn't actually take its written form until the spread of Islam right. into North Africa, uh, and to which it was adopted, which it adopted the Arabic alphabet um, from there. Yeah, and Arabic is currently the most widely spoken language, just language in general in Africa. Correct. Right. Swahili is, of the African languages, yes. the most widely spoken. And uh, to be clear here too, Swahili is spoken in Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, Mozambique, and Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are not necessarily the exclu- only languages spoken in those countries. Oh, they are absolutely. Spoken across no. those absolutely yeah. not. No, there's there too are, many tribal languages. There are thousands of yeah. languages spoken throughout the continent. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. So makes sense when you consider how widely mm-hmm. spoken it is, why you choose that as a language of Pan-Africanism and part of that movement. So, And it's also, to your point, a language that has a written form now that is widely understood and, and taught and can be easily learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for a population who, you know, never grew up with that language in the household, who wanted to embrace that language, yeah. they would have a much easier time than doing sure. that than a more obscure dialect located somewhere else. Yeah, in fact, even the word Swahili itself derives itself from Arabic, as it turns out, by the way. So fun little fact to add on to that. Since we were talking about the first fruit festivals, why don't we get into the actual origins of those festivals? Because they're... There are a few that take place, uh, even within the country of Nigeria, two flavors of First Harvest Festivals. There is uh, Ikore, which is celebrated by the Yoruba people in Nigeria. And then there's the New Yam Festival, so- celebrated by the Igbo people of Nigeria. And uh, the uh, the idea is very simple, is that, you know, the, the yam is, is essential as an essential crop to that culture, right? So the idea of celebrating and harvesting the yams and feasting, Having a ceremony with that, particularly the uh, the Iwaji ceremony, um, yams are offered to the gods and ancestors before distributing them <coughs> to the villagers. And we see this in other cultures too. It's almost that almost gave me a call back to Dia de los Muertos when you offer food to your to your ancestors before taking part of it yourself. Well, it gave me a call back to Thanksgiving. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> Only right? there were marshmallows in mine. 
Right. <laughs> okay. Right. And it's true because it, it is very much a callback to that because it just it's being done on the opposite side of the season. Whereas Thanksgiving was, if we have enough food, we're not going to die. Right. As it is in Thanksgiving in the new yam festivals. It's like, look at all the food we've got, everybody. Right. Let's eat. Because, you know, you know because of where in the world it is at that what we traditionally consider to be winter, of course, would be their their summer months. Yeah, kind of a happy little accident because uh, particularly Nigeria and Swaziland, Nigeria is right on the cusp of the equator. Uh, same as Ghana as well. But uh, Swaziland is in the south tip of Africa. So either way, as you get further down to that point, you, the seasons are already changing. Right. So, yeah, you're talking about early summer at this point. And, right. and to be also clear about these festivals, they're celebrated in either late December or early January, depending on the phase of the moon at that point. Um, whereas the one difference to that as we evolve into Kwanzaa is Kwanzaa is celebrated always on December 26th through January 1st because they believe the, the first day of the year is the last day of Kwanzaa, which is a day of meditation. Yeah. Um, the one distinction I do want to call attention to, though, is how it's celebrated in Swaziland, uh, in, which is in the Inkwala. Um, and because that one is tied directly to the monarchy, the premise of that holiday is that in late December, uh, the men of Swaziland journey to the sea and they gather water so the inkwala can begin. And branches from the sacred uh, Lukaswane tree are woven into a bower for the king. And it's only when the king eats the first fruit that inkwala can begin. And if there is no reigning king, there is no inkwala that is celebrated. Obviously, people still celebrate the harvest because otherwise they would just starve. Right. That's um, generally considered a bad thing. Correct. Now, considering that, you know, Africa has been no stranger to famine depending on, throughout the ages, the harvest is an important thing. It was to say, yes, we had a good season. We didn't. So in a way, it is kind of like Thanksgiving in the sense that we're not going to die, <laughs> die because we, we did grow, grow food. Mm -hmm. um, it's just more the season leading up to it was bountiful as opposed to the season after they're, they're preparing mm -hmm. for this will sound like a joke, and it's not. I don't mean it to be. But it, I, I very legitimately wonder, what would happen if the king had a terrible allergy to yams? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't I don't say that to be funny. I'm just, I'm, I'm really wondering. Like, I mean, I kind of feel like in, in a lot of these regions, if you had an allergy to yams, you wouldn't eat much. Because, I mean, yams were really, like, such a core dietary staple. Yeah, yeah, they have to make nutrients in them. I mean, you can obviously, no, obviously you can still eat stuff, but it's kind of like. Are we sure it's yams? Yeah. Yeah. I okay. mean, feel think of like how, I mean, for me personally, if somebody said you couldn't have cheese or potatoes, I'd be. Right. So that's what I'm saying. What if he couldn't eat the yam? What if he like had some sort of allergy to the yam? Would they still do that, the festival, oh. or would they just suspend the festival until they had a king who could eat yams, or would he eat a proxy yam, something that is. Yam-like. Yam-like. He would eat the yams and he would be sick because he has a duty to fulfill. <laughs> you know what? That's probably Anaphylactic shock for his community. <laughs> I, okay, first of all, being, you no, know, just like cutting to the chase, I don't think you can get anaphylaxis from a starch food. Mm. I, re I really don't. I don't think there's anything in it that creates anaphylaxis. Mm. Um, so maybe just a, a, a rash. Correct. I'm not Possibly. a nutritional biologist, nor am I any expert in any of the sciences. So if someone does know the answer to this question, please help us solve this academic theory we're trying to yes. pose. Do you have a, a particular root allergy? <laughs> no, but my father is extremely allergic to a lot of different foods. And I could only imagine that his people would starve yeah. if he was the one who was put in that place. Interesting. 
Very mm. interesting. Well, especially with strawberries, because strawberries will kill him. You know, to t so anyway, moving right along. <laughs> Sorry, moving just, right along. I pose these questions, and I don't, re I don't really think about the impact <laughs> that they have. That's totally okay. But you know, kind of something that was a fundamental activity of these of these harvest festivals um, really does translate over to to Kwanzaa as well, and that's in their um, kind of what they consider the five fundamental activities um, that one is supposed to perform during Kwanzaa. And do enlighten us, Sarah. What are those five activities? So. Those five activities are, um, first of all, uh, gathering of your community together, of your family, um, to kind of reaffirm your bonds with them, um, reverence uh, for the creator and creation, um, and kind of giving thanks, you know, uh, a time of commemoration. So you want to make sure that you are kind of remembering your past and your ancestors and your role models and, and really honoring them. Um, having a recommitment to, as I'm reading it here, the highest cultural ideals in the ongoing ongoing effort to always bring forth the best of African cultural thought and practice. Mm. Um, and then a time to celebrate the good, um, the good of life, the good of existence, of social good, of natural good, of divine good, of all the positivity surrounding you. And so kind of really um, taking all of those ideas and those principles and and taking those activities and meditating on them and appreciating them. Yeah, it's so interesting how every culture does this just so differently. Like mm -hmm. they have a different focus on it. And I really I really like that focus of community of of bonding, of togetherness and also of, of remembrance of who you are and where you came from and I think that's I think it's such a cool take on it because if you look at you look at Christmas and you look at Christmas as it is now, it has become so heavily commercialized, right? And it's just it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Because a lot of good stuff has come of that and has in turn produced that togetherness. Like yeah, how many people... people capitalizing on right. the good it's trying to do, right. yeah. But even still, like people still come together to watch, you know, like the Muppet Christmas movie and stuff sure. like that. That that brings families together. So even though it's commercialized, there's still a togetherness element of it. But we have to contend with that commercialization of it. That's because, you know, ever since the, the dawning of the radio, when people would gather around to listen, right. yeah. media became a, a form of celebration for families, of togetherness yeah. by not actually talking to each other. Well, we, well, we also, we talked about this a couple different times. One, a couple of years ago when we talked about the nativity scene, when we talked about, we also talked about this in our Grinch episode on Nerds on Film, is that Christmas has been struggling with a fight for with commercialism for 900 years mm -hmm. now yeah and even hanukkah is starting to have to contend with it a lot every i think holiday as it gains more and more followers eventually somebody's going to try to figure out a way to sell it yeah and just become within western culture it's become the modus operandi of the of industrialism it just it is what it is is it wrong Hard to say because yes, it's also it's enabled all all these people to have this togetherness, like you've said, and it's also enabled lots of good to have happened. But at the same time, Black Friday deals are just evil, and they should be mm -hmm. they should be eradicated from this planet. Do you really need to spend on another television that you probably just bought one new one less than a year ago? No, you don't. You really don't. Thankfully. Kwanzaa has been surprisingly resilient to commercialism, much to the chagrin of advertisers. But um, yeah, there's been a couple attempts that have just kind of flat out failed because of the insensitivity uh, toward the holiday that the advertisers were showing. Right. So Which we'll is, get to that in a little bit. Though. Yeah. But that's good, though. I feel like it, it's able to retain so much of 
of what it is. And mm-hmm. I would hope that 200, 300 years from now, Kwanzaa is still able to do that. Yeah. Because it didn't happen for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, the, it's pretty interesting because I think the, the root of that really goes into the seven principles. Thank you. Of Kwanzaa that that really help root it. And, and it's because it's so clearly laid out when it, when you... When you look at Christmas and we always say, oh, it's all about, it's about giving, it's about giving. But then the other half of giving is taking. So there's that kind of issue there. But if you look at, if you look at Kwanzaa, they have seven principles very much laid out that say this is what this holiday is about. Right. You've got uh, Umoja, which is unity. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's to strive for and maintain unity um, in the family, community, nation, and race. Correct. Uh, The Kuji Chagulia, which Mm -hmm. is self-determination. Yeah, and that that one is specifically about defining ourselves, naming ourselves, create for ourselves, and speak for ourselves. Uh, there's a Ujima, which is collective work and responsibility, working to help each other and in the community. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to clarify. I'm not going to say any of these because I'm going to butcher the names. I know. I was like, Eric's I like, thank God want, we're, we're covering this. I don't want to be dis- disrespectful. I just, Everyone I, knows I butcher names. Do we want to make a quick call back to last year when I was given all the hard names during the <laughs> yeah. Christmas traditions in Africa? And I, was, I was going, mmm. <laughs> it was, we should have called that episode the episode of mmms mm. because there was a lot of them. But you come so far, Brian. You come so far. <laughs> yeah. I suppose. We'll see. Uh, there's also the, uh, the Ujama, which is cooperative economics, working to build shops and businesses. Kind of a support of small business if you really think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Your community. Another way of supporting your community. Uh, there's the Nia, which is purpose, remembering and restoring uh, African-based cultures and customs and history. The Kumba, uh, creativity, using your imagination and creativity to make communities better. I think we can all support that. And then uh, the Imani, which is faith. faith. Actually, real quick, I think yeah. one. I think one of the biggest points of of the creativity principle yeah. um, is that it's to make the community more beautiful and beneficial than how it was inherited. So it really is about a thing about not just making things beautiful, but let's but being like, responsible with and, it too. and overcoming. There's that sense of there's that sense of overcoming as yeah. a community. Um, that's extremely important. Yeah. And then, of course, Imani, which is faith. And that is believing in people, believing in families, leaders, teachers and the righteousness of the African-American struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you look at those themes and you can see the historical context for what, yeah. why these were developed. Right. You're talking about looking for ways that we can overcome the elephant in the room, which is racism, that we can overcome yeah. you know, social inequality. Sure. Well, they right? speak to the time. You know, This was created in the 1960s. This is right at the height of the civil rights movement when mm-hmm. so much progress was, was finally being made after so many years of, of struggle. Yeah. Uh, and yet there was still so much and still is so much uh, to be done. And this is, in a way, kind of a, a guide map to make sure that people stay aligned with that. That that this is the beginning and not an end. Uh, and that's a good thing. That's a great message, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, I just wish it was a message that would be adopted by all peoples around the world. Sure. Uh, because I feel like uh, I feel like so much of Kwanzaa is so much about community and inclusion, and I just feel like that is honestly, from a world perspective, just kind of missing right now. Yeah. Well, and it's. It's inclusion. It's inclusion for a community to elevate a specific community. Yeah, clearly. Um, and we should all elevate each other. Absolutely, we should elevate 
each community so that they in turn can elevate everyone else. Absolutely, but baby steps, right? Yeah. And Kwanzaa is a really is a really great step for the African American community or the Pan African community to help elevate itself. Um, do you want to talk about the symbols of Kwanzaa and how they lay everything out on the table, literally? Oh yeah, <laughs> I do. I totally do. I'm actually really excited about this. I just need to pull up my notes. For it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Let me talk about how excited I am as I pull up my notes. Here we are. I have the notes, everybody. I have them. They're right here, right in front of me. Um, well, first off, the one that comes, the symbol that comes to mind right away is the Kinara, right? The candelabra that you see that is very reminiscent of a menorah. In fact, mm -hmm. it's actually, in its purpose and design, identical to a menorah uh, that is not related with Hanukkah. Because I don't know if many people know, but in common, in practicing Jewish households, there is a menorah that you could, you bring out for the eight days of Hanukkah. But then you take, there's a menorah that's also just for days of the of the week right. as well. right? And it's the idea of symmetry. There's three candle holders to one side, three to the other, and then in the center is a, a, a one candle for basically creating the sense of symmetry and unity. And that is absolutely the case in the creation of the Kinara, because three of the candles are red, three of the candles are green, and the one in the center is black. Right, and those are colors that are um, reflective of the Pan-African flag, and um, right. our colors found in a lot of um, African flags, um, traditional African flags, but um, the colors themselves um, symbolize on the flag and in the candles, uh, black for black people, um, red for the past and where they came from, and green for where they are going and the prosperity to come. Correct. Awesome. Um, and so if you were to, to create you know, a decorative devotion to Kwanzaa, the, the Kinara would absolutely be at the center, but what would also be around it, right? And what would be around it would be the makeka, which is the, the mat at the bottom. Uh, and it's meant to symbolize the foundation from which you build, right? And then on top of that, you would have the mazao, which is the, the crops, which of course may make sense because you're bringing it back to the harvest traditions. The muhindi, which is the corn, symbolic of children and the future which they embody. Of course, the candles themselves, which are called the musama saba, that would go in the Kinara. Uh, and then also the Kokim, uh, Kikombe Cha'amuja, which is the unity cup. And it looks like a like a, like a wooden carved chalice is what it is. Yeah. Uh, and it's symbolic of the foundational principle and practice of unity, which makes all else possible. And then finally, uh, Zawadi, the gifts, uh, which are, you know, it's symbolic of labor, of love, and parents and commitments being made and kept by children. So uh, not necessarily to be... To be uh, misassociated with the gift giving that you would have at Christmas. It's not intended to be that way at all. Though there have been efforts to kind of make Kwanzaa more inclusive of the Christmas holiday as well. There was originally a very distinct line between celebrating Kwanzaa versus celebrating Christmas. But uh, still allowing for the celebration of both. It's just once one yeah. finished, you began the other. And there yeah. was a very clear difference between the two. Correct. Right. And that lends itself to the, the self-determination principle right. of trying to define, you know, what that holiday was really about. Absolutely. However, many households that do celebrate Kwanzaa and Christmas at the same time have become far more comfortable allowing the two to, to kind sure. of coexist. Blend and a little bit Yeah, more. it's not yeah. uncommon to have the Kanara and also uh, the Christmas tree. In the same household, displayed at the same time. Sure. Um, many times it gets put out around the time of Christmas, and then when the Christmas tree goes away or the holidays just kind of shift, then it, it, it shifts its focus. I would love to see what it's like if you are in, like, an Ethiopian 
household. Because even though Ethiopia is in Northern Africa, see if you had a mixed African family where one was from the Ethiopian lineage and one was from the equatorial African lineage and the Ethiopian family was of Ethiopian Jewish heritage and that the the ones from mm. Swaziland or from Ghana were of, or, you know, or they're trying to, to recreate that sense. So you could potentially be celebrating all three holidays simultaneously, Whoa. Hanukkah, Christmas, and Kwanzaa. Do you think that exists? I have no idea. Listeners, if you know that exists, <laughs> let us know. Please I think, tell I think, me. I think the mongoose equation deems that it, it, it must, must, must and or may in the future. But it's like it's like one family probably out there who does, and they have just mega holiday basically because there are those rare years where Hanukkah does fall on the same time. I mean, period even, as Christmas. Even then, if you have a an in the United States a Jewish parent, and then say like, and then a say a, a an African American Christian parent. That they could potentially celebrate all all three holidays. There you go. Right in there. Boom. Done. All the presents. <laughs> all the presents. Happy all the holiday, time. All the presents. <laughs> Chris Mahana Kwanzaa. <laughs> and that's a legit way of saying it at that point. Chris Mahana Kwanzaa. Yeah. So. Um, but that's not to say that those symbols are all that you're allowed to have. Um, of you course know, not. They a lot of times people will. Um, hang a poster that shows the seven principles. Right, which is called an Ngozo Saba. Yeah, or they'll hang the bandera, the flag right. of the people. Um, or you can also, you know, decorate with um, African artwork of, of um, you know, African clothing. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, people will dress in more tra- traditional African dress. Um, right, in- the kente cloth. Kente cloths, um, right. dashikis, etc. Right. Um and, you know, using having woven bowls out or having, um, you know, wooden carved bowls or carved artwork, et cetera, showcasing, again, the culture that your that your people come from. Correct. Well, the other thing I find interesting, too, is that, you know, if you were to celebrate a, a Kwanzaa with your family, too, there is definitely, even though there is this connection with African roots, there's also a lot of common American food, like, that would be celebrated at a Kwanzaa meal. Mm-hmm. It's not like a completely traditional African Right meal, <laughs> so it would be a lot of the same foods that you would be normally eating just for a regular Sunday dinner, for mm-hmm. example. Uh, but one thing that is always there, you know, we talked about the cup as a symbol um, during your your Kwanzaa meditation and during your um, during the ceremonies, you would have libations in that cup and then you pour it as an offering um, to your ancestors and, and to is, the Creator. Again, a tradition that heralds back to so many ancient mm-hmm. cultures. Absolutely. Yeah. Ancient Egyptians were doing it all the time. It just spilled water on everything. Said, no, that's for my ancestors. And that's for my ancestors. Yeah. You know what? You. And they throw the water at them. And you are for my ancestors. <laughs> yes. The, except I don't I don't think that it happens so aggressively uh, in, yeah. in this version. That's probably for thank the Thank you. Yeah. Because squirt guns could be very popular. You're my ancestors. Yeah. Okay. Not on not on the last day, Kwanzaa. That's for sure. <laughs> that would probably be anti-Kwanzaa. Yes, it point. would. Yes, it um, would. Why don't we wrap up the basic description of Kwanzaa mm-hmm. with the the understanding of the last day, right? The day of the med- meditation, uh, which again happens on January first, and uh, the idea is it's supposed to be a time to reassess things that you have done and things that you are to do. It actually kind of reminds me a lot of Yom Kippur uh, in the Jewish calendar, even though they call it the Day of Atonement. It is kind of a, a day of reflection and a day of Though in the Jewish tradition, it's asking forgiveness for the wrongs you have done. This is more of, okay, what do I have to focus on for the next year to follow these seven principles of Kwanzaa? 
Yeah, it's funny how New Year's Day often ends up being that for so many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hangovers tend to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a day of quiet self-reflection of what you just did last night. Yeah. <laughs> I think we could all benefit from that. I love that this note's my hair. It said it's a sober assessment yes. of things done and things to do. Yeah. Emphasis on sober. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and not to make light of this, obviously. No. This is, this no, is one of the most important clearly. ways to end the holiday itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also, and like you said, there's also the remembrance of ancestors that uh, ties so strongly into this as well. Mm-hmm. So now that we can understand that, we were talking about how Kwanzaa, even though it's short 49 year history, has been fairly resilient mm-hmm. to uh, to commercialism and has not been immune though to commercialism. Uh, I hate to say it, the Chris Mahana Kwanzaa joke I made a few minutes ago is an example of that. That was a uh, was that, that was a commercial? It was a Verizon Wireless commercial, from, or is either. Mm-hmm. It was either a singular. It was a, it was a cell phone commercial for sure. I don't even remember what the commercial was for, but I remember Christmas. But I Kwanzaa. think it was I think it was either AT and T or Verizon, and it was the Christmas Hanukkah Kwanzaa's event was it was basically this December long event where you know you were just getting a good deal on a cell phone, and yep. because Kwanzaa is meshed into the portmanteau that is that word. Uh, unfortunately, that means that it got commercialized. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, it was the idea of like wanting to say we're including all winter holidays. You know, right, so. right. There was also, but wasn't it? There also a, a gin like marketing campaign too that was that some advertising agency came up with. Uh, yes, there there was uh, quite to the dismay of many people who celebrate the holiday. It was pretty offensive in an attempt to commercialize off the holiday. Uh huh. I don't even know. I don't even remember the name of the company now. But they had created gin that was meant to be poured out of the cup as the libation, and it was meant to be, like, the gin for the... Poured into the Unity Cup. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. That's great. For for the Kwanzaa celebration. And uh, obviously people were totally taken back by it. It was not not, not the way to do that. No, that was really sure. bad. Really bad. Yeah. I would say another unsuccessful addition to that would be the idea of trying, in, in an attempt to bridge Kwanzaa to Christmas would be the idea of the Kente Clause. Yeah. Which is really no more than just a Santa Claus with with African features mm-hmm. wearing the kente cloth. Uh, it is otherwise you look at it and you would think it looks like Saint Nicholas, basically. Uh, and it was introduced in the the mid to late nineties uh, as an attempt to to pull us off. They made little figurines. There was even actors who were perform- uh, hired to perf- uh, perform as kente claws at public, you know, malls like you would see. In fact, I think Macy's even did a tie-in where there was a tour, a Kente Claus tour, where there was one day of the year where you can go meet Kente Claus alongside Santa Claus. And oh. then it just seemingly disappeared off the face yeah, of the earth. Yeah, and you know, yeah. our research for it, it kind of ended up a dead end. So, you know, if there's anybody out there who can help clarify, I mean, I obviously just it didn't gain traction because and I think that sounds like it more has to do with the, the more of the acceptance that you could celebrate Christmas interchangeably with Kwanzaa as opposed to needing to be exclusive to one or the other. Yeah, and I think the idea was that, you know, is it really just an an African Santa Claus, a black Santa Claus, versus something that was actually used for Kwanzaa? So we really only found kind of one article that really tied the two together. Which is a New York Times article, if you're interested in finding it. It's called New Symbol of the Holidays Has a a Mission, Not a Belly. Yeah, Yeah. I, I I don't see any of the principles... Yeah. Of Kwanzaa in that. So No, other so than the not... gifts, but again, it's not the gifts in the same yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing I do kind of want to talk about, um, you know, because I would feel like if we don't mention it, 
we're going to have some listener write in about it. So I kind of want to go ahead and get ahead of this. Um, people love, people get very touchy about their Christmas episodes. They, they do. Sure. We lost a listener last year because of misinformation. <laughs> so. so Kwanzaa is not without its controversy a little bit. Yes. And, um, you know, specifically kind of where it came from and the creator of the holiday. Um, Melana Karanga doesn't like to talk about it, but he um, was a member of the organization Us, and he was a member of the Black Power Movement, and he was along the lines of probably some of the more violent principles um, that were, uh, you know, happening at the time. You know, you kind of look at the dichotomy between Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, and I believe I mentioned this, but he followed a lot more of the principles of uh, Malcolm X, and he did spend some time in prison. And he he says that he was there as a political prisoner and um, he was allegedly, you know, he was put away allegedly for um, uh, being compliant to torture of women in his in the organization, um, beating women with electrical cord or at least being party to it. Um, His estranged wife said that, you know, she was forced to take part of that as well. But, you know, that's that again, that's alleged. I'm not I'm not here to say anybody did do anything. I don't really want to kind of get into that. But, um, you know, just uh, the facts that I have. Right. We're, we're not, not a court of law. Yeah. yeah. So and we're, then, we're not investigators into this. We don't yeah. we don't have an opinion nope. one way or another because we don't really know what happened. Yep. Is there a possibility for him to have been, you know, as he as he says, a subject of, you know, Political, political intrigue, motives, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And this, and uh, certainly. It's, injustice, and, essentially. Yeah. Is it possible? Absolutely. Yeah. That's, and that's not why we're bringing this up. No. And then the other um, the other part of it, too, being that the organization Us, Us was at odds with the Black Panther Party quite a bit um, in its beginnings and as time went on. And, you know, there was a lot of violence on the street between the two groups, a lot of infighting within the Black Power Movement. Um, on as to who was going to be the the forefront organization, the forefront community builder. Um, so, you know, could, does Kwanzaa maybe have some more violent roots? Possibly. But we've also kind of, the, the holiday itself shouldn't be punished for um, kind of the historical context that it was birthed from, I guess. Um, if the principles, if you follow yeah. the seven principles, it is a peaceful time. Yeah, the principles do not support violence. No, not at all. And the celebration doesn't support violence. And the other thing, too, is, you know, some people do have issues with, um, I mean, I don't personally, but some people do have issues of a cultural holiday that's, you know, appearing to be very seclusionary and, and supposed to be for the specific community. But, um, you know, if you go to the official Kwanzaa website, because they have one, it's called officialkwanzaawebsite.org. And can I just say for a moment how interesting it is to when you're researching a holiday to know mm-hmm. that there is not just one A website, there is the authoritative website. The website. Run by the creator of the holiday. Himself. Himself. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, he might want to get a new website designer because it looks a little dated it's with the web design. But, very dated. Yeah. <laughs> but nevertheless, the information on there is... Very good source. It's, very yeah, good it's resource. legitimate, yeah. And that we live in an age where that we can say probably for for the first time that a primary source is a website, yeah. which is a being a secondary resource yeah. for something. That's kind of crazy. That's great. Yeah. It's very helpful. Um, and if you kind of go into, they have like a frequently asked question section. I really enjoyed kind of perusing that. And it was like, is this a holiday just for black people? Is this a holiday just for, just for pan-African people? And to put it bluntly, yes. But that's not to say that um, 
it can't be uh, shared and displayed for other people to see and appreciate. So um, kind of in the way that on St. Patrick's Day, you'll see a lot of Irish dancing. Or a um, parade. Or a parade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in, for Cinco de Mayo, you tend to see a lot of um, Mexican cultural celebrations and, and festivities going on um, as a way. Of, in the I, United States. You in do the United States, yeah. As a in way Mexico, of, kids get the day off of school. Exactly. Like, you know, they're like, whatever. Or maybe actually, they may not even get the day off of school, but it's, but, it's, yeah. but you know what I'm I know saying. What you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, most Americans think it's Mexican Independence Day, and which already, is in September. Yeah, yeah. we we've already <laughs> looked before. I was listen to. I was hoping for tacos. Yeah, parts one and two. We cover that already. Yeah, go yeah. back, enjoy. But the point being, um, in the sense that this is a really good opportunity to showcase Pan African movement, um, African culturalism, Pan Africanism, um for people to observe and enjoy and appreciate yeah but yes it is it is a holiday for pan-african people and i think i've, I've kind of alluded to it a few times because you know you guys know me our listeners should know me by now unless you're a new listener in which case hi um i don't belong to any kind of specific religion or creed mm-hmm. or anything like that and i love well, his every- nerdism that's his going exactly true yeah. creed I, I love I love everything in the world, and I appreciate everything, and I'm able to pull all these things from all these awesome holidays that happen, including Kwanzaa. So I can look at Kwanzaa and say, oh, this is something really super yes. awesome that happens within Kwanzaa, and let that enrich my life. Yeah, absolutely. And um, also, another very clear distinction, this is not a religious holiday whatsoever. It right. is a cultural holiday. Right. Correct. Very specifically, they, may, they trust me, on this website, it is very clearly yeah. the, said as a cultural holiday. Yeah, and that's true. And I mean, that's similar to how Yule is, too. Yule is never meant to be was never really truly meant to be a religious holiday. Of course, there were religious figures that ended up being worked into it based on your geography, right? There's a lot of Norse integration into that. But yeah, it was meant to be, oh, hey, it's winter. Let's celebrate light and darkness. By the way, I do think it is interesting that that there's a parallel amongst all the December holidays uh, that the lighting of the Kinar, again, the idea of light, Mm -hmm. all of them have this idea about showing light in a time of darkness. Even though it's summer, though, uh, which I, I guess because it's an American holiday, it's still both summer and winter. Not in, in necessarily a way. American, just it's there for anybody who's of the African diaspora. It's predominantly celebrated yes. in the U.S. No, no, there are and, there are Kwanzaa celebrations Canada. or first, not Kwanzaa directly, but there are our first mm-hmm. harvest festivals festivals celebrated in Dublin with the Nigerian people who have been diaspora from. Sure. Um, and Kwanzaa's also, you know, got a more of a foothold in Canada too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Canada so. and also um, in some parts yeah. of um, Central America too. Yeah, I just I, I was just wanted to call up again that cultural connection of light that we mm-hmm. all, that there's a human fascination with light and a human fascination with the idea of light being able to bring people together. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something very powerful about that that symbolism. Well, you think about the first hunter gatherer tribes. What did they all gather around in the evening? The fire. Right. It kept yeah. you safe, allowed you to see dangers, warded off, you know, dangerous animals from coming to you. Yeah. Uh, it actually is what encouraged domesticated animals. So, you know, you're welcome, Sarah. Because um, <laughs> I know you're very big on domesticated animals. Sure. Just say history. Yeah. You know. It just makes me wonder if we were a nocturnal species versus a non... Uh, a, what's the word for when you live with daywalkers? <laughs> daywalkers. 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 <laughs> we just turned this into a vampire movie episode. Um, <laughs> Uh, it just no. It, it does beg the question: If we were a nocturnal species, what would our symbolism be with the moon? Would it be? Would it be? You know, the stars. What? What are? I just. It just. It. It'd probably be high pitched squealing <laughs> for echolocation. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, cool. So we all, we're all now oh bat people. Oh my God, we <laughs> totally worship sonar. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, and we all have a mantle of the bat that we all yeah. bow down in front Which of. Which Brian already has one, of course. Different kind of bat. Oh, yeah. That's, right. That's a Batman as right. opposed to, you know, <laughs> regular. Well, <clears throat> on that note, um, <laughs> should we get into some listener feedback then? Let's do it. This week in listener feedback. This week on listener feedback. <laughs> oh, that should be the new one. <laughs> uh, we did get one just today um, from Kayum, uh, who gave us a donation. He originally emailed us asking about using our Amazon code um, to to make, because he didn't think he could afford to... Um, Give us a straight donation. Correct. I just want to clarify, we can accept a donation of any size. We The minimum the minimum we, we, we need is just a dollar, because that's the lowest that PayPal will let you put in. We will not reject a donation that is too large either, but no donation is too small. And or, you, cookies. or cookies. We have we have a PO box we now. A PO box you can now. send yes. us cookies. Yes, indeed. Wait for the closing for that. Um, and so he and he gave us a five dollar donation. So I just wanted to thank say you. thank you. Thank you very much. And he much. will be pledging five dollars a month to us. Oh, oh that's, so, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that was really really sweet of you, sir. And thank you so much. Best um, holiday gift ever. We also got a couple more. Yeah, um, we have one here from Dangerosa Jones. I love that name. <laughs> uh, subject, Tut's Junk. <laughs> what have uh, I started? <laughs> um, says, hi, all. Just started listening to your podcast a couple weeks ago. I have really been enjoying it, especially the one on the history of punk. It made me so happy. Extremely aggressive and angry, but also happy. <laughs> your comments on King Tut's missing junk in your most recent episode reminded me there seems to be a lot of famous body parts that have gone missing post-mortem. Oliver Cromwell's head, Einstein's brain, Stonewall Jackson's arm, which got me thinking, do you know Illinois and Texas are having a spat over Santa Ana's leg? Not one of the real ones, one of his prosthetics. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Uh, the leg is currently housed in the Illinois State Military Museum in Springfield. It was captured by a group of Illinois infantrymen after the Battle of Cerro Gordo in 1847 but texas has been trying to get illinois to give it up i think unless texas has some very serious uh, lincoln memorabilia to trade they're out of luck um and then she sent a, a link to the article from um, dallas news and it was yeah wildly fascinating to uh to fight over a leg <laughs> there you go uh we do have another one from lisa uh subject feedback from another aussie uh, she says, hi, found your awesome podcast about a month ago, and I have just finished listening to your backlog. Love, love, love you guys. Thank you for such a funny, entertaining, and educational podcast. I can't pick a favorite. They're all so good. She also just started listening to Nerds on Film, and she yeah, thinks yeah. it's hilarious. Uh, she's from Melbourne, Australia, and your attempts at doing the Aussie accent are actually pretty bloody funny. Yes. Love your work, Lisa. Thank you. See, I was after the other feedback we got about the Australian accent. I was prepared to retire it on the show. You're, no. <laughs> I was. No, I really was. I was. I, I, I kept me up at night for for weeks, really. He just kept repeating, so, shrimp on the babby. Shrimp on the babby. Shrimp on the babby. Um, I just can't get it right. <laughs> and I can't. And I've come, to con I've come to the conclusion that that's okay because it's funny. We love you because you are you, Eric. Yeah. See, for the remainder of the episode, oh, I think I will... Attempt to do a really horrible oh Australian my. accent. Don't make us kill again. you. Oh my. Oh, I know. Isn't that awful? Actually, I, I was actually deliberately trying to do it really 
really bad that time. Wouldn't it be funny if you find out that actually it was that was actually the best you the had best done you've it. ever done? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's the trick. Just, just try to do a really bad it. job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, just you think back to that Hugh Jackman comment I made once. Oh my god, that's an inside joke, but you'll love it. All right. You'll well, anyway, uh, there is one more. Okay. Grace wrote us just before Thanksgiving uh, about Naked Vermont. She writes, "Hi there." I just started listening to Nerds on History uh, like two weeks ago, I guess. Those, that's a straight quote from the email. You weren't just adding a like for the heck of it. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Working slowly backwards through your catalog, I just got to your 100th episode about wacky laws, and I felt like contributing to your nudity in Vermont law. Hmm. Interesting enough, though it's been a long time since that episode has been someone already clued you in on it, that she basically wanted to say that uh, while it is legal to be nude in public uh, in Vermont, it is illegal to disrobe. So you have to come out of your car or your house naked in order for it to be legal. Acceptable. Done. That's easy. Done. <laughs> and she sent us an article about it that is really, really awesome. She also says that Vermont has very strict maple syrup and maple laws, which are sort of wacky. And she gave us a few that she can that we can share for. Uh, Wait a minute. Is this the reason why people don't have to have their photo on their driver's license in Vermont? I don't know. Because you think about it, right? If people you're, don't if, have to have their photo on their driver's license. Uh, yeah. I think that's a. Something that's going to be retired because there are national standards now for having standardized license. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, if I was prone to walking out of my house naked all the time, I wouldn't necessarily want my picture on my license, you know? You know? Does that make sense? You're saying you want to steal somebody else's license and give that to the police officers when they... Um, no, I'm, I'm just thinking... I'm pretty sure that if you're going to take your driver's license photo and you happen to be nude it's not going to be an image of your junk grace i must i must pose the legal question to you oh what if you are naked except for wearing shoes uh-huh you go to the beach and it's illegal and then you take off your shoes are you now disrobing right are you now committing are you right. now breaking the law or i think just the fact that you're wearing an article of clothing not that there are beaches in vermont it. i just want to throw the throw i think the i think right you there. probably have to be completely naked just think about it. Are you really going to want to walk around in that parking lot without shoes on? Well, up in well in San Francisco, I mean, they've now, unfortunately, they've now abolished the public nudity laws. But when they were, unfortunately, were in effect, are they cracking down on that? <laughs> no, they got yeah, they've already they've already abolished them. But it used to be, yeah, you but, could but, be, but, but cracking down is the question. Yeah, buddy. are they enforcing? Don't say it. cracking. <laughs> are they butt cracking down on it? <laughs> um, but it, the the law was the exception was you had to wear shoes, but otherwise you could be completely <laughs> yeah naked. And I support well, that's just having safety. shoes on. That's yeah, but it's, it's cold. It's cold. It, well, that, it's cold in Vermont too. And especially if you're going to like Folsom Street Fair or Pride or something like that, there's yeah. like broken glass and stuff like that on the yeah. ground sometimes, yeah. and you don't want to get injured. You know what? Can we just can we just agree that we should just cover up our our, our private parts nah. in public? Mm. I, I feel like I feel like it's too much of a hazard. I'd be too nervous. I mean, it, it might be. It, uh, for safety purposes, I can understand. I think car doors alone just do it for me. Like, I can't. <laughs> if there were no cars, you know. Yeah. Take, take me back. Take me back 100,000 years ago. I'd be fine with it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, that's something to consider. Yeah. Um, anyway, so if you want to give us any feedback about your personal nudity, um, you can do so. <laughs> right on. <laughs> by going to um, any of our social... Actually, don't do that on social media. You might get yourself blocked. Um, <laughs> there, there is a site for that. It is called Tinder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if you do want to give us any feedback, you can do so by going to either Facebook. You can go to Twitter. You can go to Instagram. If you just... 
look for us. Uh, just search at Nerdonomy. You will find us. I promise you. Um, also, you can go to our website, nerdonomy.com. You can click that talk to us button and send us an email. Uh, we'd really appreciate hearing from you. Or... Or, or you can send us a package or a letter or or if you're from England, a parcel. Yes, Ooh. you can take up the lost art of calligraphy and write us a beautifully handwritten letter. No, don't do that. Just send us stuff. No, I mean, a letter's cool, too. No, no stuff. <laughs> Just stuff. Parcels. Beautifully. No, I'm quite partial to parcels. Honestly, if I if someone out there sends us a beautifully handwritten letter in calligraphy on parchment. I think that's a pretty good present, dude. That is a pretty cool. Present. I wouldn't shame that. Yeah, it's as, the long, as, as long of as it comes. Time. With cookies. Okay. Eric, don't be a dick just because it's Christmas. <laughs> when else am I going to be a dick? Anyway. That's two of our bleeps, and we saved it to the end, folks. We got one really? more. Yeah, really? A, yeah. yeah. That's a bleep word? I think so. I think oh. that can be a bleep word. That's well, then you three. just use the third one. Way to go, Brian. Great. Happy holidays, everybody. I was going to save that for my special holiday message. Anyway. Anyway, um, you can, yes, you can either send something to our P.O. Box. You can also contact us. Um, you can call us as well. Leave us what? a voicemail. Exactly. You can leave us a voicemail. Um, all of the contact information you can find on nerdonomy.com, um, in case you are driving and you can't write any of this stuff right now, but if you are sitting at your desk or something like that and you are being extremely safe and you're not trying to take down anything while you are driving and listening to a podcast, uh, you can go ahead and, uh, send something to us, P.O. Box 26476, San Jose, California, 95159. It's a great number, by the way. Um, and if you want to go ahead and leave us a voicemail, uh, you can do so by calling 408-844-4946. We're sorry, charges do apply. Yes, uh, it does, and, um... <laughs> Please be respectful, because if you want to go on the episode, you got to do that. Sorry. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. Same thing with email, too, though. Exactly. Now, you can have uh, swear words. But oh, yeah. Swear words are fine. There can They'll only be bleeped. three of them. They'll because get Because that's the limit. And if you go past that, we'll, we'll cut you off. Yeah. That is the limit that we have imposed upon ourselves, by the that's way. right. Yeah. And you know what? Give us at least one, because Sarah. Yeah. Just saying. In honor of me. Yeah. And on behalf of the Nerds on History team, and as well as of everybody at Nerdonomy, we wish you happy holidays. We wish you Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa. If you celebrate, Happy Hanukkah. Uh, since we are in the middle of Hanukkah now, though this will be over by the time it, it launches. Happy all the winter holidays. Happy Happy post Hanukkah period. Sure. Yeah. It sounded kind of awkward. That did sound awkward. I, well, it is. Either way, I liked it. Happy holidays, everybody. Stay safe. And uh, in addition to that, it is that time. So until we meet again. Same nerdy. And then into our next exciting episode. Same nerd time. Same nerd channel. Nerdonomy.com. Bye. Goodbye and happy holidays. <sighs> Dodged a bullet there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We could have gotten so much trouble. So what do you want to do now? Star Wars Battlefront? Yeah! Awesome.